If you would, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Colossians 3, verse 18. We are finishing the series on Paul's letter to the Colossians today that we've entitled uh, More of Jesus. So, excited to get share this message. If you would, stand up for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, we just want to honor the Lord as we listen to the Word of God today. And as I finish, I will say, this is the Word of God. And you say, thanks be to God. Okay? All right. Wives, submit to your husbands. Actually, I want to go back. I'm not going to say all right. I, I was entering us into that, and it sounded weird. So, sorry. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer and be watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you with the express, for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You, you have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ, Jesus sends greetings. He is all, always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and at Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See to it that you also read the church, read it in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, have a seat. That was testing my ability to read that much out loud at one stroke or something. All right. Well, we're bringing the series to a conclusion, 
And we've been talking about more of Jesus, and that's the way we, you know, have talked about Colossians. It's like Paul's lifting up Jesus, and he's saying, Jesus is high and lifted up. He's awesome. He's worthy of praise. He's over all competing allegiances. He's over all competing philosophies. And as you follow this, he starts off with a prayer, starts working his way through this thing, says we've been reconciled in him, and we've been made right in him, forgiven in him. Uh, he wants us to know that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And that this is how the world is getting changed in our union with Jesus Christ. And so we want to proclaim him, the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We want to be rooted and established in him. We want to grow up and mature in him. We don't want to be sucked away and pulled away by philosophies and religion, religious stuff. And so he goes on. What we talked about last week is to put off the old and to put on the new. When Christ is our life, this is the way we live. We put off the old and we live in the new life. And it affects the way we relate to each other, the way we do our relationships and life together. We turn toward one another. We don't gossip about one another. We live life together in a way that is uh, what this vision of the church that Paul's promoting here. Last week was kind of a message on ethics, really. Like you, there's things you don't do and there's things you do because of who we are in Christ. And this week, it's kind of taken that to the next level. And really, a lot of Paul's letters are like that. He gives some doctrinal, some vision of Jesus at the front end. And then in the back end, he's saying, okay, now this is the way you live. This is how you do this. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the how you do this part. And he's, he's talked about the house. He's talked about when we go to share. He's talked about um, the importance of prayer. He's talked about the importance of living this thing out with people. All of that is how this happens. So let's roll the clock back, way back, about 30 years, 30 years ago. And uh, so Kim and I had just, we hadn't been married very long, 30 years ago at this point in time, exactly in the fall, got married in the spring. And uh, so a lot of wonderful things are happening. I'm getting turned on for the Lord and just starting to follow Jesus and and really wanting my heart and everything, all that I'm about to be about Jesus. But it's a journey. I remember sitting in our house in Denton, and I was reading James, and it says, faith without works is dead. And it's like, suddenly it just clicked for me. I've got to go from just thinking stuff to I want to actually live this life out. I want to live a life of following Jesus. Well, that brought about some challenge in my own life. My own journey was, it meant some changes. But then as I started trying to uh, do that with my wife, you know, trying to lead spiritually, it was, um, you know, I think she wanted to be led, but she didn't know this was a new side of Jamie about spiritual things. And yet it's happening right in our home. This is this is why this is our story of of how it got lived out. I mean, it was it was difficult at first. Hey, you know, all of a sudden I'm, you know, going to, I want to go to church. You know, and then I want to I want to pray. That was that was a new one when I said, hey, let's pray together. You know, and you guys are like, oh, I pray with my husband all the time. We always pray. It's never hard. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a major point of spiritual warfare is what happens in your home. Right. And so uh, just learning to pray, learning to to cross that awkward um, you know, and I'm initiating, but I don't know how to do it because I haven't done it before. And yet that's all part of this journey that Paul's talking about how we do this. How do you live this life out? And it starts 
in the home. It starts in our lives and in, in the home. When I was praying the other day, I heard this phrase, inside out, on Monday, I just about this sermon, just inside out, that God's wanting to do something on the inside of us, and it spread to our closest relationships and out from there. So here's the main thing. It is, God is calling us to participate in His plan to change the world, because really, you know, this goes to, where this letter goes to is changing the world. Paul's in prison, but he's preaching the gospel. And he's calling us to preach the gospel, to share our lives and to share our faith. He's calling us to participate in his plan to change the world from the inside out. That's the way it works. We are the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God, right? That's who we are. And so it's not an optional, I, I may join the mission, it's not the way it works. To be a part of the people of God is to have God's mission. That's what God's people do. People of God, mission of God, glory of God. So this question we're going to be looking at over and over today is what does life look like in light of the more of Jesus that we've seen in Colossians? And so a couple of major points here. First of all, number one is that inside out means from the house to the world. From the house to the world. It starts, you know, in intimacy in the house. I mean, I, I, today I'm not doing a message trying to break every little nuance down of, of all of these verses. I'm just taking some big brush strokes here in this idea that Paul hits on not only in Colossians, but he hits on it over and over again in other letters. It's called the household code. You know, it's the idea that what we do in the house affects everything in the world. Okay, so there's things that are going on behind closed doors that are going to affect the way we live our lives. It could be roommates in college, but in, and it could be uh, when, when we get married, though, it's what happens in the house. You know, it's what the way we're living life with our spouse, with our kids, with our parents, the household code. And so Paul is is touching on how people relate Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. So all of these things, and, and we've done teaching at other times. I'm really not trying to break all that down right now. Just let me just say this about guys, and this will help everybody be good, I think. But is guys, if you'll love your wives the way Christ loves the church, everything's good. Okay, so that means being willing to die laying your life down, coming under in order to serve and lift her up that she could be all that she's supposed to be, destined to be in God. Okay, Jesus is leader over all of us because he found a way to serve all of us, to come under all of us in dying for us on the cross. That's why he's, he, he found a way to serve. It's, you know, leadership is about servanthood. And so he's found a way to do that. And so that's my nugget for today on guys. We'll, if we'll do that, Man, it's going to bless your life, bless your marriage. And, you know, Kim, you know, she, she loves it when I lead. But I need to lead like Jesus in my leadership with her and serve her in that way. So, uh, okay. Get kind of quiet on that. Basically, though, everything in the, in the first century, everything is connected to the house. You don't have shopping malls. 
supermarkets, you know, I mean, everything is kind of loosely connected to the house. Even the economy itself is connected. Like people need to be, it's very, it was very patriarchal. And so you needed to be connected to a house because that's where the distribution of goods and services got released in that economy. Okay. So husbands, wives, kids, uh, slaves, all, all, all connected to a household. And that's one of the things that Paul is subverting here in, in the beginning of Colossians when it talks about uh, the underlying ideas that Caesar is the head over the Roman Empire. And Paul's coming in and saying, Jesus is head over everything. He's got a household that's the entire universe, is the entire world, every principality, power, everything. He's the true image of the invisible God. Okay, so what does the house look like in light of the more of Jesus that we've seen in Colossians. And so that means I need to think about my relationship with Kim, my relationship with my kids, and want to see that, that kind of compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, all those things that we've been talking about, forgiveness, bearing with one another, expressing love, putting love on over everything, that binding all of those, all of those pieces together putting things off, putting things on. That's what the house looks like. But then it moves to the world. So let's talk about the world, the proclamation piece here for a second. He says, pray for me that, I can, that, the, that there will be open doors for the message, that I will proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So what he's touching on there is the idea that, that our lives are supposed to be lived in a way where we live life at the house, but we also proclaim our message, not just in the house, but to the world. We've got a message that we want to share with the world around us. And so that's, what's, that, that's the proclamation piece. At every opportunity, I want to be sharing this good news that Paul's been talking about all through uh, Colossians. Now think about the context in which Paul's writing, just for a minute. This will help everybody, I think. Paul is writing from a jail cell. He's, he's, in pri- he's literally in prison for the gospel, and he is writing in the midst of a government, uh, y- you know, a-, a government that Nero is the, uh, the emperor at the time when he's in prison. Nero is like the most vile, perverted, e- evil Man, he's torturing Christians in the most heinous, horrific ways. And that's, that's the government at the time. And I think a lot of times we think, you know, when it comes to sharing, if we could just get the right policies in place or something, if we can get the right get government kind of tweaked, it's going to help us. And it, it might help some, but you know what? No matter what, what happens down through the years, no matter who's elected and all those different kind of things, If you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. That's just, that's a promise. 2 Timothy 4.12, you will be, we will be persecuted when we stand up and make a stand in the midst of darkness. You know, and so uh, that's, you know, and it's interesting to me that Paul, I mean, we think, wow, you know, if we could just get these things changed and you know, then I'd be able to witness, then I'd be able to share and be bold in my faith. And Paul's writing in the midst of a government. I mean, you'd think that this would be an opportunity to say some things, 
I mean, Nero's killing Christians. That's pretty oppressive compared to what we're going through right now. And maybe some of you are going through more than others. And and if you want to share the gospel, you will be persecuted. It may not look like you're being in prison right now, but you will be persecuted. And everybody's like, well, I mean, that's just the truth. It's the way it's so. So moving from the house to the world involves, yeah, I've got to lay things out there. I've got to sharing Jesus means I'm going to go through some hard times sometimes. Walking the, walking the, the, uh, the journey out means, uh, I mean, you know, if I wasn't in Christ, there would be some things that I wouldn't choose to do along the way that have been a part of my life. Sufferings for Jesus. I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose those things. And I wouldn't choose them for any of you. And yet God will use all of those things. He promises to in good ways. He, he makes good out of very difficult situations sometimes, right? So what does proclamation look like uh, when this more of Jesus is what's in our heart that we've been talking about here? What does proclamation look like in the face of trials? What does proclamation of Jesus and the mystery of Christ look like in the face of opposition? What does proclamation and proclaiming the mystery of Christ look like when things aren't easy? You know, when it didn't just, didn't just kind of flow in my, my day. You know, what does it look like? Those are, those are hard things, right? And here's the connection I want us to see between the house and proclamation. The, the connection is that it's going to be hard for me to share and proclaim Jesus if I'm not proclaiming Jesus and living Jesus here in my house. Like I've got to evangelize my own children, my wife. She needs to evangelize me. You know, we need to live a life of discipleship here if we're going to stand out into the public sphere and proclaim Jesus here. Make sense? So huge piece there, huge connection. And yeah, I mean, everything flows out of, that's the, the point there with the house, everything flows out of the house, whether it's economics and work and our, our church life, the, the vitality of our church life, all those things. So the second major piece then is that moving from the inside out, inside out means not only from the house to the world, but also another trajectory thing here is that it moves out with prayer and with people, with prayer and people, okay? So uh, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful, thankful. Pray for us that God will open a door. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, you know? So all of that's happening there. And, and in fact, he goes on, he talks about Epaphras later. Epaphras is always wrestling for you in prayer. How does he know that? It's because they're praying together. They're having prayer times where they can see Epaphras wrestling for the Colossians, for the Laodiceans in prayer. So prayer's this huge piece for us. I think historically as uh, individuals, we've, we've, we've hit this really hard. I would say the most important piece of pastoral advice I can give you is that you spend time with Jesus morning by morning. Just start your day with Jesus. It's, it's the most, I mean, it's like, I could tell you some cool Bible facts, but if you'll figure out just spending time with Jesus and letting him speak to you about your day, then instead of me giving you a fish, it'd be like teaching you to go get the fish yourself, right? 
and be fed with the Lord. So the personal piece is huge. But then there's the corporate piece, you know, and down through the years, uh, we've had, you know, some wonderful seasons of prayer where it was corporate. And there's a lot of corporate prayer going on right now. But one of the things we're sensing is a rising in the water level of desire for corporate prayer. And, you know, Leonard Ravenhill said, whenever God is about to do something, he sets his people to prayer. He calls his people to pray together. And there's just something powerful. I mean, God could have already done everything, but he says, I want you praying. I want you binding things, loosing things. I want you to use the keys of the kingdom and open things up and lock things up and do that. So it's a mystery to me, but it's, it's, it's powerful. And he's calling us to prayer. One of the things that uh, we were talking, we were at some leadership meetings this past week for Antioch, we had the international and U.S. leaders together. And, and uh, uh, one of the things we were talking about is just there, too, is another context where they're saying, we're saying, uh, the, the corporate prayer needs to rise. There needs to be more corporate prayer happening. And it's kind of like, uh, got any NFL fans here? And so, uh, is it the, is it kind of getting warm in here? It's too warm. Can we, yeah, just, uh, it's on me, I know, but I'm, y'all help me. So, so NFL, so deep snap comes, the punter the punts. And every now and then, you know, the idea is that the punt coverage team goes down and they're around the guy and they get him tackled pretty quick, right? But every now and then, the punter catches some, you know, freak punt and it goes like 70 yards or, you know, just like, just keeps going and the, the, the return guy's having to go back and, you know, and he catches it, and when he'll catch it and be like, people are 30 yards down there still. They're, they're a long way from him. And when he gets a running start at people that are running at him, do you know how hard it is if somebody cuts and you're running full speed at him yourself to make a move? A lot of times there's huge runbacks when the teams outpunt the coverage. And I thought, that's a great picture of what we're talking about with corporate prayer. You can outpunt the coverage, and there's things that we need to be covering in prayer that at, no matter what it is, we've got all kinds of vision and stuff we're wanting to do, but we need to be covering the stuff in prayer. You know, and, and there's two realities in prayer. One reality is, is when it, you get a hold of it in the place of prayer, and the second reality is when it happens. You know, in the early days of praying for a building, I mean, we've been 16 years mobile, you know, and we had... Uh, set up guys, four teams, they were called special forces. They wore camouflage shirts, four teams, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta. And we fed them every Sunday morning. They had community. They loved it. But after 16 years, they're going, please, can we find a place to land? You know, and we'll double our tithe and all this stuff they were talking about. It was funny. But we started praying. And in those early prayers for the building, it was like, Lord, Lord, but then by the end, I mean, we were getting a hold of something like, yes, this place. We were praying for this place. And the Lord got us in here. We place reality in prayer, in reality, in reality. Okay? That's the way that, that thing happens. So corporate prayer, huge piece, prayer. And then the other thing is people. So, you know, Paul, this whole last section, he's like, all of these relationships, 
And so when you're moving forward, when you're moving from the inside out, not only is it from the house to the world, but it's also with prayer and with people. It's relationships. All the cool relationships down through the years that we get to walk with, experience, live life with. You know, and there's seasons, you know, and somebody turns a chapter and does something different. I know that happens. But man, these are wonderful, uh, a wonderful picture of relationships. Tychicus, his uh, faithful minister, fellow servant. Onesimus, some of these relationships are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of subversive because for him to mention Onesimus, he's a runaway slave. Okay, that, I don't know if you realize that. Onesimus is a runaway slave. And he says, Onesimus is going to come with Tychicus. And kind of weird saying all those names in it. Marley just goes. <laughs> so Onesimus is going to come with Tychicus. But he's saying, and they are going to tell you what's going on with me. A runaway slave is going to be the mouthpiece for the Apostle Paul in telling what's going on with him. You know, and interestingly, somebody that's not on this list, who's a part of this church, is Philemon. Isn't that interesting? Why is Philemon not on this list? Onesimus was Philemon's runaway slave. So Paul graciously doesn't put him on the public letter to be read. Instead, he writes a whole, Philemon gets a book of the Bible. You know, Philemon gets a letter from the Apostle Paul explaining more privately. Of course, it's not private now. We know it, you know, but back then it would have been private. And so uh, Tychicus, Onesimus, uh, keep going here. Uh, Mark. You know, remember Mark? So the first uh, missionary journey, Mark abandons Paul on the first missionary journey. So the second missionary journey is about to get started. And Barnabas said, hey, I want to bring my cousin Mark along. Paul's like, no way. He wasn't faithful on the first trip. He doesn't get to go. Barnabas says, you know what? I'm going to take uh, Mark with me. I want, to, I want to see him restored and raised up. I, I'm taking Mark with me. Paul goes with Silas. So instead of one missionary journey, there's actually two there that happen because of a conflict, because of you know, people trying to work through stuff, work through issues. And, and then beautifully seeing here that they've been restored. You know, Mark is traveling now with Paul. He's, he's working once again with him. Mark goes on to write a gospel that they say was dictated to him by Peter. You know, so that's a pretty awesome restoration and back in the flow of things. Epaphras is the church planter for Colossae and, and Laodicea. So he's initiator, discipler, prayer guy. Luke, the doctor and the writer of the New... I mean, Luke ended up writing about half the New Testament, right? Luke and the Acts, Acts of the Apostles. So this, what a great list. Demas, a friend, but you, if you know later in 2 Timothy, right before Paul dies, he says, you know, bring this different stuff to me, but because one of the things I'm disappointed about is that Demas has left me. He loved the world and he's left me. Okay, there's Demas. And Nympha, again, like Onesimus, talking about women in leadership and the church that meets in her house, that's a big deal, identifying and uh, uh making note of her. Archippus, finish the thing that you started. Paul, the apostle, teacher, servant. So all of this is what relationships, what do relationships look like in our lives when the more of Jesus that we've seen in Colossians is happening? What does that actually, how does it look like? What does it get worked? So everybody here has somebody in your life. Who's in your life? And who are you walking with 
in this journey of more of Jesus? That's a great way of saying it. Who are you walking with in this journey of seeing more and more of Jesus? We all need people that come alongside us and walk with us. I need that. One of the things I've noticed here at Christ Fellowship is that, that, uh, that there's a lot of, lot of us, maybe even be new to the church right now, there's a lot of new folks, but um, there's something that happens when we move from, hey, you guys and your church and that kind of language to we and our church. So, something happens that I, Kim and I just go, did you hear that? You know, they'll just say, man, I just love our church. It's just a, like something, you know, a little, something clicks, you know, and, and it's, it's an us and not just a you guys. So, amen. Lord, do this in us and through us. You guys stand up. That's all I got. Okay. But I, we do want to have a little bit of ministry time. Because like I've been emphasizing here today, the work that God wants to do in us and through us is inside out. In us, in our lives, as students, young adults, married, whatever age, singles, families. And He wants to do a work from the inside out. And I want to, I want to finish this series today. That's what we're doing. I want to finish this series in the same way that we started the same the way we started was a call to more of Jesus. And this is a call for everybody. Everybody is, you know, hey, I need more of Jesus. We all need more of Jesus. But it's like something happens when I see that the Lord is wanting to do something in my house. The Lord is wanting to do something with me in sharing. The Lord is wanting to do something with me in praying. The Lord is wanting to do something with me in relationships. And, you know, I just want to say, Lord, I want more of you in these areas of my life. I want to see the truth that we've learned in Colossians, the, the truth that we've learned from the Apostle Paul by your spirit in us. And just, Lord, that this would be it just be a hunger and a desire for more of you. So, Lord, would you meet us today in the name of Jesus? Would you give us grace to just again say, Lord, we want you. We want to serve you. We want to experience your love. We want to live in an ongoing encounter with you. So just meet us, Lord, in our hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the front's open, you guys. If you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. If you need to get prayer, come and get prayer. And uh, especially as an expression of hunger for more of Jesus. Go for it. Amen.